My name is Florian Nickel, and I was asked to pray the Lord's Prayer before the message this morning. So I'm going to get you to bow with me, and I will pray, and um, you can just listen as I'm praying. Our Father, which art in heaven. Yes. Don't interrupt me. I'm, I'm praying. But you called me. Called you? I, I didn't call you. Um, I'm praying. Our Father, which art in heaven. There. You did it again. Did what? Called me. You said, Our Father, which art in heaven. Here I am. What's on your mind? Well, but I didn't mean anything by it. I mean, I was just, you know, saying my prayers for the day. I, I always like to say the Lord's Prayer at Sort of feels like I'm getting a duty done. All right. Go on. Hallowed be thy name. Hold it. What did you mean by that? By what? By hallowed be thy name. Well, it means... It means... Um, hmm. You know, I don't even know what it means. It's just a part of the prayer. By the way, what does it mean? It means honored, holy... Wonderful. Well, that makes sense. I never really thought about what Hallowed meant before. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Do you really mean that? Well, sure, why not? What are you doing about it? Doing? Well, nothing. I just think it would be really cool if you could have control of everything down here like you have up there. Have I got control of you? Well, I go to church. That isn't what I asked you. What about your temper? You've really got a problem there, you know. Um, and then there's the way you spend your money, all on yourself. And what about the kinds of books you read and what you watch on TV? Hey, 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 stop picking on me. I'm just as good as the rest of these people in this church. Excuse me. I thought you were praying for my will to be done. If that is to happen, it will have to start with the ones who are praying for it, like you, for example. All right. I guess I do have some hang-ups. Uh, now that you mention it, I could probably name a few others. So could I. Well, I hadn't thought about it very much, but I would really like to cut out some of those things. I mean, be really free. Good. Now we're getting somewhere. We'll work together, you and I. Some victories can be truly won. Oh, I'm good. proud of you. Um, Lord, <laughs> I need to finish this up. Um, this is taking a lot longer than it normally does. Okay, give us this daily bread. You could stop eating out so much. Oh. That would help with your finances, you know. Hey, like, wait a minute. This, what is this, like, criticize me day? Here I am doing my religious duty, and all of a sudden you break in and remind me of all these things and all my hang-ups. Praying is dangerous. I, I could end up changed or something. That's what I'm trying to get across to you. Keep praying. I'm interested in the next part of your prayer. Well, go on. No, I'm scared. Scared? Of what? Well, I know what you're going to say. Try me and see. Ugh. 
Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sins against us. What about Anne? Oh, see, I knew it. I knew you were going to bring her up. Lord, she's told lies. She spread rumors about my family. She never paid back the money that she owes me. I've sworn to get even with her. But your prayer. What about your prayer? I didn't mean it. Well, at least you're honest. But it's not much fun carrying that load of bitterness inside of you, is it? Well, I'll feel a lot better when I get revenge. Boy, have I got some things planned for that neighbor. She'll wish she never moved into the neighborhood. You won't feel any better. You'll feel worse. Revenge isn't sweet. Think of how unhappy you already are. But I can change all that. You can? How? Forgive Anne. Then you'll forgive you. Then the hate and sin will be Anne's problem and not yours. You will have settled your heart. You're right. You always are. And more than I want revenge, I do want to be right with you. But... Okay. Lord, I forgive her. Help her to find the right road in life. Lord, she's bound to be awfully miserable now that I think about it. Anyone who goes around doing the things that she does to others has to be. Some way, somehow, show her the right way. There now. Wonderful. How do you feel? Well, pretty good, actually. I, I don't feel as tense. Maybe I'll get some sleep tonight. I just, I haven't been able to sleep at all lately. Maybe I'll get some rest. You're not through with your prayers. Go on. Okay. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Good, good. I'll do that. Just don't put yourself in a place where you can be tempted. What do you mean by that? Don't turn the TV on when you know the laundry needs to be done or when you have marking to do. Also, about the time you spend with your friends, if you can't influence the conversation to positive things, perhaps you should rethink the value of those friendships. Another thing, your neighbors and friends shouldn't be your standard for keeping up. And please, don't use me as an escape hatch. Um, I don't understand that last part. Sure you do. You've done it a lot of times. You get caught in a bad situation. You get in trouble, and then you come running to me. Lord, help me out of this mess, and I promise you'll never do it again. You remember some of those bargains you tried to make with me? I do, Lord, and oh, I'm ashamed. Which bargain are you remembering? Well... My husband was gone, and I was at home alone with the kids, and there was this huge storm, and and there were tornado warnings, and I was so afraid, and I remember praying, Lord, please save me, and I'll have my devotions every single day. I protected you, but you didn't keep your promise, did you? Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I really am. I thought up until now that if I just prayed the Lord's Prayer every day, I could do what I wanted. I didn't expect anything like this to happen. Go ahead and finish your prayer. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Do you know what would bring me glory? What would really make me happy? No, but, oh, I really want to. I want to please you. I can see what a mess I've made of my life, and it would be great to really be one of your true followers. You just answered the question. I did? Yes. The thing that would bring me glory is to have people like you truly love me. And I see that happening between us. Now that some of these old sins are exposed and out of the way, there is no telling what we can do together. Hey, Lord, let's see what we can make of me, okay? Yes, let's see. Well, let's thank Florianne and Randy. I almost feel like saying amen and let's pray, and that's, that's good. That's a good word for us this morning. Uh, God loves us, and He hears our prayers when we pray. So don't think that, you know, you're praying into nothingness. He actually is listening to what we're saying. This morning, as we finish off this series on the Lord's Prayer, Lord, teach us to pray uh, we're going to dive into that very last statement, which is, deliver us from evil. So if you have Bibles or an app, turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. Look at the prayer. There's just so, this prayer is just so rich. There's so much there for, for you and for, for me. And so we're going to try to get through this last section uh, in, in about another 10 or 15 minutes. But his final petition, Jesus says this in the prayer. He says, we need to pray, deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one. Now you may say, evil, yeah, that's out there. And I, I could start with that, but I'm going to finish with it. But I want to start where we are and where I am. And knowing that there's actually if I'm really honest with myself, and if you're honest with yourself, there's actually a bit of evil in us. And it comes all the way, it goes all the way back to the understanding of early in Genesis, uh, Adam and Eve, and, you know, the, the first sin that occurred. And then ever since then, we've had this, this sin in our lives that causes this evil to show up every once in a while. And in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, he writes this, that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. And then he asks this question, who can understand it? So the answer to the question is you and I can't. But the answer to the question is God can. God knows our hearts. He, he knows us. I mean, it was almost felt awkward when Florian was saying, you know, the prayer, and God was saying, yeah, what about this, and what about this, and, what? and she was feeling like, well, let a minute, guilt, shame, I don't, I don't want to hear that, and God's just saying, I'm just telling you it's already there, he's not giving any news, he's just saying, I know what's in our hearts, and as I think about this one phrase and, and the idea that there's this evil within us, I want you to just to remember that that is exactly why Jesus came to earth. Jesus came to redeem us, 
to buy us back from that life of sin and evil and to give us victory. And that's what this whole message is going to be about today. It's about what the victory that we find in Christ over evil. To recognize that you and I struggle is actually the beginning of turning to the one who can transform us. Until we recognize that we're, we struggle, we'll never turn to God. And so that's why God actually shows that to us. Not, not to harm us, but to, to turn us to face him. And it begins with repentance of our brokenness and recognizing how we've been rebellious against God. Deliver us from evil. The next section could also be the whole idea of deliver us from the evil one. And there is, so there is this idea, and, and we need to un- understand this, that there's evil outside of us. So what does the Bible say of the evil one? In John chapter 8, 44, Jesus says, He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You think about the temptations of Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 4, where he, he uses scripture to, with Jesus, and Jesus says, you're misusing it. This is what it really means. So Satan will lie to us. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10, here's another um, understanding of, of what the evil one does. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God a day and night. That's what he does. And then in Revelation 12.10 it says, has been hurled down. Satan is the accuser of those who are following after God. Those who are living in shame. So what does it mean to have somebody place an accusation against you? You, you know, you want to fight against it. Sometimes if it's completely false, you think your reputation's at stake. If it's true, there might be a feeling of guilt and shame. And yet, what does it say here? He has been hurled down. Lastly, in Revelation 12, verse 9, it says, That ancient serpent, called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. You see, the evil one's work is to lead the world away from God. To take and say, no, you don't, you don't need him. You're good. You're good just the way you are. You can manage this. In, in her book, Sarah Maynard, uh, in her book, The Prayer of All Prayers, says there's three things that Satan does. And I want to just give them to you very quickly. First of all, he makes us question God. Is God really good? Did God really say? Can I trust him? Is Jesus the only way to God? And so he raises all these questions for us. He makes us question who is God. That's where it started back in the garden. Secondly, he makes us question God's work in us. The idea is, am I really a follower of Jesus? I I remember being with a person in the hospital. It was an older lady sitting with her, and she she was in tears, and she was like, I don't know how I can say this to you. And so she began to to share a story out of her life. And she said this particular incident happened very early in her life, and she had walked with Jesus for many, many, many years. But the accuser kept bringing this one incident back to her and saying, God can't love you because of this thing that happened. 
And I was able to, to read some of the scriptures we're going to look at this morning, pray with her, and she had complete victory knowing that she was walking with God. So Satan makes us question God's work in us. Uh, I would suggest to you one of the things that I have learned to do in my life is to put down what I call anchor points. So when God does something, I go, I am going to remember this. So one of those was, we had a baptism today, but for me, one of those was my baptism at the age of 12. You think, well, what does a 12-year-old know? It's like, that was, for me, that was a, a moving point in my life. And so I just, I go back to that, and so when Satan says, Reg, are you, really a, are you really a Christian? Are you really a Christ follower? You lost your temper. Your behavior there doesn't look like you're a Christ follower. I go back to those anchor points and go, God, you were there right at that moment, and you said, this is my child whom I love. And I just, I hold on to those anchor points. So I, I could show you those all through my life where God has done something, and I just say, God, I'm going to put an anchor point down right here so that if the accuser comes to me, I'm going to go back to that anchor point and say, this is where you met with me, and I know you're real, and I know I'm your child. So I encourage you to think about how you could put down anchor points. The third thing that Satan does is he makes us question each other's motives or hearts. We begin to question the accusations against other believers. We become suspicious of motives. We, we look for all that's wrong. And we don't actually invite people into a relationship or to explain or have a conversation. But we just, in our hearts and heads, we have this, these accusations against others. So those are the three things that Sarah Maynard writes about in just a couple of paragraphs in her book, which I just found very helpful to understand what it is that Satan, the evil one, is about. Here's a view of evil. Natural disaster, this is a, a quote from John Nolan, natural disaster is as much an evil as is murder. When the focus is on the perpetrator, the wickedness of the perpetrator will be implied. When the focus is on the recipient of the harm, as is here in this prayer, it will be on the harm done and wickedness of the deed will not specifically be in view. So when we talk about deliver us from evil, we're not just talking about people doing things. It includes that. But it just includes the brokenness in our society. The brokenness in creation. When we have things like tornadoes. When we have things that are happening in our world that we don't understand, it's part of the evil that's there. So what is the purpose of Satan and what is the purpose of Jesus? There are two different purposes. And in John 10.10, we find out what they are. It says, the thief, the evil one, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We need to understand, what is the purpose of Satan? He's, he's not here to help us. He's here to harm us. And so we need to remember that. But we also need to remember that just beside it is Jesus has come to, to give us life. And not just any life, a full life. You could use the word complete. So it doesn't mean it's perfect. It doesn't mean there's no issues. It just means that in the midst of that, Jesus is there. And he provides a way forward. Let's see the power of Jesus in some of the scriptures here. 
in Luke chapter 4, Jesus at the beginning of his ministry says, this is why I come. This is my purpose. That the Spirit, he said this in Luke 4, 18 and 19, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is still on about that. Followers of Jesus are there to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. We proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That is, that is our calling. I want to encourage us today that this is the power of Jesus to transform lives. So when we feel like we're stuck, he says, no, I want to give you freedom. I want to move you forward. In John 14, verse 30, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says this, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has no claim on me. So if you ever wonder, is this a battle that's pitched? No, it's a battle that's won. Jesus has won the battle. He says, I, the evil one has no claim on me. The power of Christ is here to overcome evil. And he is the one who comes. The evil one draw, wants to draw us away from God. And Jesus is the one who shows us who God is. The deliver us from evil, our petition to God, and now Jesus' prayer, is to protect us from the evil one. These are, these are linked. This is Jesus' desire for us in this battle. Our petition to God. We're asking God, deliver us from the evil one. Jesus is praying for us as well. He's saying, my prayer is for you. And the prayer is found in John 17, verse 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Protecting us from the evil one. That is Jesus' prayer for us. So as Jesus right now is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and it says that what's he, what's he doing there? He's actually interceding. He's praying for us. He's praying for you. And what's he praying? He's praying, protect them from the evil one. Protect them from the evil one. Where's the source of our confidence? In James chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, he writes this, But God gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble, and then he gives some very specific things. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. And guess what happens? He will flee from you. So there's some action here. We submit to God. That's an action. I, I sit and I say, God, I need you. I cannot do this without you. I know that you've given me freedom. I pray those prayers and claim the truth of God. And then when Satan comes and says, but what about this? You say, no, I am not listening to that because I am free in Jesus Christ. And guess what? He has to flee from us. Because we're not free because of what we've done. We're free because of what Jesus has already done for us. We put God first in everything. We lean on Jesus. In 2 Timothy, I didn't put this up on the screen, but you can write it down, look at it later. But 2 Timothy 4.18, Paul writes near the end of his life these words. He says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. 
What a great verse to just say, yes, Lord, this is true for me too. You will rescue me from every evil attack. Does that mean that Paul wasn't martyred? No, he was. But what was his hope? It was the future. It was, you will bring me safely to the heavenly kingdom. He will walk us there. The end of the prayer, there's this response, which you don't find in Matthew and you don't find in Luke. It's it's like a doxology. It's a completion. It's a wrapping up of the prayer that we pray where it says, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may wonder, well, where did that come from? The doxology has really good sources as you go back in history. A Jewish prayer would always conclude with some form of a doxology. And so there would have been one here just wasn't recorded because, for, I don't know, for whatever reason. But for us to pray that last part, I think, is really important for us to do. Because it refocuses us at the end of the prayer. Why are we doing this? What is the work that God is doing? It is for his kingdom. It is for his, it's in his power. And it is for his glory forever. Let me close with some thoughts and then we're, we're going to go into a time of communion where we actually remember what Christ has done and I'll explain why we do communion a little bit later. So now what? I want you to think about these three things. Know that God has overcome the evil one. There's times where we just battle and we think that I'm never going to win. That the evil one, Satan, is a defeated enemy. And I would suggest to us this morning, we just need to sit and pray and say, thank you, God, that you have defeated Satan, that he has no power. When we turn to him, when we turn to Jesus Christ and say, he is the one who gives me the strength. Secondly, know that Jesus has come to set you free. You may struggle with a besetting sin. I do. When it happens, I just turn to God and say, God, why again? I want to be free. I want to be free. And I know freedom is found in you. And I just turn and I say, I give my life to you. Exactly like Florian showed us. Lord, I give my life to you. I just give all of it. I give it all to you. And finally, I would say, pray for the power of the enemy in our world would be overcome through Jesus. Those are prayers that God actually wants us to pray. Pray for leaders. Pray for disasters. When I look, I mean, I read the news faithfully every day, not because I'm a news hound, but because I want to know what's going on in the world. And when I see things like an earthquake in Afghanistan and no people are suffering, I want to pray into that. I want to do things if I can. When I look at the war in Ukraine, and it seems to be ramping up just this morning, uh, it's ramping up again, and so it's like, Lord, would you please, this is not your plan, we know that, so we just pray, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is a prayer that God asks us to pray. One final thought that I want to give you from John Stott who says this, as this is sort of a wrap-up of this whole Lord's Prayer. He says this, The three petitions which Jesus puts upon our lips are beautifully comprehensive. He goes on and says, They cover in principle all our human need, material, daily bread, spiritual, 
forgiveness of sins, and moral deliverance from evil. What are we doing whenever we pray this prayer? What, sorry, what we are doing whenever we pray this prayer is to express our dependence on God in every area of our human life. Moreover, a Trinitarian Christian is bound to see in these three petitions a veiled allusion to the Trinity, since it is through the Father's creation and providence that we receive daily bread, through the Son's atoning death that we may be forgiven, and through the Spirit's indwelling power that we are rescued from the evil one. What a great wrap-up of, of what this prayer is about, of the Lord's Prayer. As we, as we close this morning, I, I just want to, I actually want to read for us uh, the Lord's Prayer. Would you stand with me? And if you want, you can say it along with me. It's not going to come up on the screen. I don't know, maybe if you've been here, you've memorized it enough. Uh, but don't worry about it. You can just listen, or you can pray it with me as you wish. Let's pray to God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.